With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Welcome to another edition of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name, as always, Connor Howley. Give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Howley. And before we get into the Oilers chat, let's thank our sponsor, DraftKings. The second round is in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. To give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes, up for grabs each day. The best part, it's totally free to play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the free DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions about what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results through the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to the other Connor podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, Connor Halley, and we've got another great show for you as the off-season programs continue. We will be joined by Tyler Uremchuk of TSN 1260. He's also with DFO Hockey, Oilers Nation, the Jays Nation. You can also give him a follow on Twitter, at Tyler Uremchuk. And later on in the show, we'll bring in Ryan Holt. He is the voice of the Bakersfield Condors, the Pacific champions in the AHL. A heck of a run they had this season. We're going to talk to Ryan about some of the guys to watch out for because I think that, you know, and maybe we're a little bit guilty of it on this podcast as well, but we look at free agency, we look at the draft, and at times we can forget that the Oilers have done a really good job the last few years of developing prospects. I mean, you look at Ethan Bear, Kyler Yamamoto, Caleb Jones, even this year. Ryan McLeod jumped up and looked like he was pretty ready to play in the NHL. So we're going to talk to Ryan Holt, the voice of the Condors, and get his thoughts on some guys who might be able to make that leap next season. People you'll see in training camp, and maybe even some that could surprise you. All that and more coming up later on here in the Other Connor podcast. But before we get to that, i, I got to throw something out there, because as I tape this, it's Monday, June 14th, 6.55 p.m. Mountain Time, and uh, you know, scrolling through social media today, and it's a 15-year anniversary of a shorthanded goal that was absolutely huge for a lot of us out there. I'm going to run the audio here. Shout out to CBC for the clip. Here's how it sounded.
Bob Cole with the absolutely amazing call there. That 2006 Stanley Cup run was, oh, it was absolutely awesome. I was, uh, just turned 18 on that run and it was so much fun. Fernando Pisani, 14 goals, really big coming out party that year. Just an absolute stud. I remember watching that game at my friend's house. We were in the basement and Steve Stales took the penalty in overtime. Uh, my friend's mom came downstairs to ask how things were going, and we all kind of just groaned, kind of got mad, like, well, the Oilers are going to lose, the Hurricanes are going to win the Cup, because Steve Stales took this penalty, and moments later, Fernando Pisani causes the turnover, takes it in, scores, and the celebration, for one, was amazing, but immediately after, we had to go run upstairs and go say sorry to his mom for, you know, snapping on her just a little bit. That 2006 run was so fun. Of course, Game 6 in Edmonton was another fun game, and uh to be totally honest with you, I don't even remember Game 7. I don't know how it finished. That's one of those things I just kind of blocked out of my memory bank and uh remember the good times because I don't want to keep that stuff in my mind. I don't want to think about the bad times. I only remember the good times from that 2006 run, and hopefully this edition of the Edmonton Oilers can get something like that sooner rather than later. Let me know, though, where were you when that moment happened? It was 15 years ago today. And when I say today, I'm talking about Monday. I know if you're listening to this, it's probably Tuesday or Wednesday, but where were you when Fernando Pisani scored that goal? Let me know on Twitter at Connor Halley. Right now, though, let's get to our first guest of the day, Tyler Yramchuk of TSN 1260. I had a conversation with him earlier today. Let's get to that right now. We're now joined by Tyler Yaramchuk of TSN 1260. You can also see him on Oilers Nation, the Jays Nation, DFO Hockey. Anywhere else, Tyler? Am I, am I missing anything here? No, you're good. You hit all the big ones. Got it down. Also on Twitter, at <laughs> Tyler Yaramchuk. And uh, we're continuing the off-season series here on the Other Connor Podcast. And uh, as always, there's always something to talk about. We've kind of done a lot of the stuff regarding free agency and the upcoming NHL entry draft when the uh, playoffs wrap up here. But before we get going, Tyler, uh, have you been watching the Final Four here in the NHL playoffs? Uh, any teams you're liking right now? Uh, I mean, I'm really interested to see how Vegas handles Montreal and if that series is close because, once again, like I think Vegas is just a much better team. They shouldn't have much of a problem with the Habs, but Habs have you know proved me wrong a couple of times now, so I'm not exactly in a position to write them off once again. Uh, the Islanders took game one from Tampa. I'd expect Tampa to bounce back in that series there. I wouldn't be... Uh, I would be the least bit surprised if it still ends up being lightning in six games, but I've been wrong about the Islanders twice in a row now as well, so maybe I'm, I shouldn't be talking about them too much. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny how like, they just get that, gem, uh, that job done. Trotz uh, seems to find a way to make it work, but that uh, Tampa team is so talented. You've got to think they get back into that series. Uh, well, let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers, of course, uh, just about a month out from their season wrapping up and uh, now attention towards the off season. And uh, I thought Jason Greger had a kind of interesting poll question today on Twitter, and he asked, like, if you're bringing back one and it's your choice, uh, you've got Tyson Berry, you've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, I believe the other one he had there was Adam Larson. Uh, who do who would you want to bring back the most? Huh. I think Nuge is at the top of my list. I think, you know, you're bringing back a guy who is one of your best wingers. He is one of your best penalty killers. He is very good on the power play. He had a down-year five-on-five scoring, but historically it's never been a huge problem from the score, much at even strength. I just think he checked so many boxes. The versatility of having him in your lineup, potentially at center as well, if one of your big guns were to ever go down or if you really want to spread things out, there's just so many boxes that Nugent Hopkins checks that 
The other two just don't. Like, I like what Tyson Berry brought on the power play, but you still have to look. He doesn't do much for you at at five-on-five, a bit of a defensive liability. He doesn't kill penalties. And Adam Larson is almost the reverse, where he'll kill penalties. He'll be good for you at five-on-five. Doesn't bring you a ton of offense or puck moving on the blue line. So Nuge is the one I would bring back if I had to prioritize them. Larson was the only one who kind of made me pause and think because I really, really liked the season he had. But I'd still have Nuge above him in terms of priority. I want to get to the other two, but I mean, you look at Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, what is your faith level that he will return? Obviously, for the first time, uh, getting yeah. a chance to test unrestricted free agency. There could be some good offers out there. Maybe he gets into a bidding war and, you know, he can cash in for one final contract. But I mean, if you had to put a number on it between one and 10, how confident would you be that Nugent returns to the Oilers? Seven. And I won't even go up to a seven and a half. I'll say a seven out of 10. I, I still think it's more likely than not that he's back but I mean if he thinks he can go to market and get six and a half to seven million dollars a season then I mean all the power to him that's kind of that's kind of your one chance like you said the last chance here to really cash in with a big deal but I also think if he's going to take a deal like that he's going to be going to Seattle he's going to be going to Columbus like I don't think Nugent Hopkins is going to get six and a half to seven million dollars from Boston or Washington or Colorado. Like, that's not happening. So I think he's at an interesting point where, you know, he's made around $40 million in his career, and he's got to sit there and go, all right, what do I value more on this next six, seven-year or six-year deal, let's say? Does he value an extra $6 million, which after taxes and all of that stuff is far less than $6 million? Or does he value getting to stay in Edmonton, be a lifelong oiler, and go play for a winning team? And I think that's something that, you know, the Oilers can't even really change his mind on. If he's just simply chasing a payday, which, again, he doesn't strike me as a guy who really would, then he's going to go elsewhere. But if he wants to sort of commit to the core here in Edmonton, then I think they'll find a way to get a deal done with an AAV somewhere in the five to $5.5 million range. Now, we saw in Game 4 against the Jets, Ryan Nugent Hopkins started off, I believe, left wing, second line. Uh, Ryan McLeod uh, started as center. If he does return, where do you think he would spend the majority of his uh, time? I mean, obviously the power play, that's a given, but where do you see him fitting in in the lineup? I, I really do think, once again, he'd be riding shotgun with either McDavid or Dreisaitl as a left winger. I think bringing back Nude should be a huge priority for Ken Holland. Getting And the second priority has got to be finding a scoring left winger, someone whose offense first can really sort of push the pace as well. And if you do that, then... It, you know, play Nugent Hopkins with McDavid if that's what Connor likes. And then on that second line, give Leon Dreisaitl another bonafide scoring threat or flip the two. I think no matter what you do, there's not really a bad sort of rotation or bad combination you can have there. So I see him as mainly a left winger, and the center ice thing is sort of, you know, break glass in case of emergency, whether it's because one of the big guns, like I said, is hurt or you're down by one going into the third period and you really want to load it up, so you move Nuge back to the middle for a period um, but I think full-time, he's likely a left-winger. Now, uh, just to update you on Gregor's poll, he's got about 2,500 votes. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins leading the way at 50%, so the majority right now agreeing with you. He would be the one you want to bring back between Nuge, Larson, and Barry. Uh, between Barry and Larson, I mean, just on the ice, which one do you think would be the bigger loss? And, you know, which one do you think is easier to replace and, and get the production elsewhere? Uh, Barry's easier to replace, in my opinion. And I know that might sound a little bit weird because 
he just finished leading the NHL in scoring by a defenseman. But I just look at what he brought on the power play, and I think that can be, you know, replaced fairly easily by either Evan Bouchard or if Oscar Kleffbaum's healthy, it's him. But with Larson, like, I'm a, I understand the modern defenseman needs to be able to move the puck and skate really well and all those things. But I still think, and I know Gregor would agree with me on this because he's been really harping on the fact that, you know, a lot of big defensemen are on the blue lines that we're seeing in, in the Final Four in the NHL. You need a mix. You need some good puck movers, good skaters, and you also need a couple of rugged guys who can break up the cycle by cross-checking someone in the back who can, you know, get the puck off the glass and get you out of trouble and all those kind of things. So I think they, they need Larson because he gives them something they don't have anywhere else. Whereas if you lose Barry, I think it's easy enough to go with an Ethan Bear, Evan Bouchard, Darnell Nurse on the top power play unit and still get your production there. Like People are kind of forgetting at moments throughout the season – Darnell Nurse and Tyson Berry were splitting that top power play unit. It's not even like Barry was playing the full two minutes with McDavid and Dreisaitl. So I, I would prioritize Larson simply because if Tyson Berry at 5-on-5 five five is on your third pairing, then I'm not paying him $5 million to just be a power play specialist. That's not worth it for me. Uh, one contract did get done last week, and uh, very divisive. Devin Shore on a two-year deal, AAV of $850,000. Uh, where do you come out on that signing? It's a good signing. You can bury it in the minors if it doesn't work out. Everyone loved to throw their hands up and yell and scream about it. But if that signing would have happened on August 1st instead of, you know, early (laughs) June, no one would have even noticed it. And I think a lot of the people who are arguing about it would have sat there on August 1st, not noticed it, and then come camp and like, oh, yeah, they brought back Devin Shore. You know, he's a good player. He works hard for you. Like, people just sort of freaked out because it was the only thing to talk about. Um, I think it's a good signing. He's the ideal 14th forward, in my opinion. He comes in, can play center, can play left wing. You know he's okay being healthy, scratched for two weeks, and then jumping into the lineup and giving you solid minutes, and he can kill penalties. There's there's nothing to dislike about that signing. I didn't understand the outrage. Yeah, and I, I'm going to be 100% uh, honest. I agree with you. Like that, That's exactly where I came out on it. I saw the, the outrage, and I, I think I even threw out a tweet just saying, like, I didn't think it would be this divisive. You know, he's a guy who yeah. the contract can be buried. He's he's the fourth, uh, you know, 13th, 14th forward on your team. Probably not worth getting too upset about. And people kept saying, well, it sets a bad precedent. I was like, well, you have to have a roster player there. I mean, it is basically the league minimum, $75,000 yeah. more. I, I just don't get it. And I know it's a hockey mad city, but you know, for, for what you're paying him, for what you got out of him, maybe the five on five numbers weren't great, but yeah, I just didn't see why people were getting so worked up about this contract. And the other thing too, and low tide pointed this out this morning, but last year, the Edmonton Oilers ended the regular season with 48 contracts. Most GMs like to sit around 46, 47 when the season starts right now, including Devin Shore, they are sitting at 31. They need to go out and sign 17 more players. Like, are, are you telling me that they were going to go find 17 better players than Devin Shore on the market? They'll find a few and, you know, a handful that are better than Devin Shore. But at the end of the day, like, for all we know, the Oilers like what Devin Shore brings to the room. And maybe they went to him and said, hey, we're going to give you a two-way, or sorry, a two-year, one-way deal. And how about this? If you're not on our NHL team or on our taxi squad, if that's still a thing, you get to go live in sunny Bakersfield and play down there. And Devin Shore might have gone, you know what, that sounds better than taking a one-year deal somewhere and being up and down on the waiver wire, claimed here, claimed there. He might have said, whether I'm here or Bakersfield, I'll take the money, I'll take the security. Like, we don't know what the conversation was like behind closed doors. And I saw people being like, 
well, he's going to block Tyler Benson or he's going to block Raphael Lavoie. And, like, have the Oilers been doing that recently? Have young players? They called up Ryan McLeod for a playoff push. Clearly they're not sitting there blocking young players with, like, bad veterans. If Devin Shore is not earning a spot, he'll be down in the minors and on waivers. And if he's playing good, then 850K is nothing. I don't think I could have said it better myself. Uh, Tyler Yemchuk joining me here on the Other Connor Podcast. Uh, Tyler, the offseason coming up, uh, the Oilers obviously a few areas of need that they might want to look at. Uh, when you look at going into free agency at least, uh, would you say uh, you know top-line depth is, is the issue, maybe somewhere on the blue line? Like, Where do you think Ken Holland would look to address first? I think priority one needs to be a scoring left winger. Priority two needs to be... Well, I already mentioned, like, I'm assuming Nuge comes back and all this, but when you hit the UFA market, when you're looking at external ads, priority one is a scoring left winger. Priority two is getting another forward in the mix here, whether it's a winger or a centerman. Uh, priority three, if Oscar Kleppbaum isn't coming back, you need to get uh, probably another left defenseman, maybe even someone who can give you a bit of that shutdown aspect. Um, and then you also need a goalie. So there's sort of Four areas I think Ken Holland really needs to be aggressive in checking off. And if he doesn't bring back Nugent Hopkins, then there's another left winger you need to add on top of that. So he's certainly got his work cut out for him. I think it's going to be a real busy six to eight weeks here around Edmonton, but that's kind of what makes our job fun. <laughs> Absolutely. The season never really ends. Now, you talked about the top uh, left wing position, riding shotgun with Connor McDavid. Is there a dream situation where you think so-and-so would be just a perfect fit for the Oilers? I've been harping, I've been saying one name for, I mean, since before the trade deadline, since the start of last season, and that would be uh, Ricard Raquel out in Anaheim. I think if he's available for not much in a trade, which is unlikely, you probably have to pay a lot, I would be all over a guy like Ricard Raquel. Um, Elsewhere on the trade market, Sam Reinhart is a really, really interesting fit to me, but he's a pending RFA. He's going to cost you assets to acquire. And then, I mean, the guy just, he was almost top 10 in goals this year. Like, he's probably going to cost you six and a half to seven million dollars on a long-term deal. So, Reinhardt's a great fit, but he's going to cost a lot of assets and a lot of money. Raquel's a great fit, but he's going to cost a lot of assets. Jake DeBrusque is interesting to me. I don't love him as much as some people do, but if you're buying low on a guy, he's a good candidate. On the free agent side, there's a group of names we keep hearing a lot about. And if I had to rank them, I'd probably go Brandon Saad, Blake Coleman, Zach Hyman, Jaden Schwartz, Thomas Tatar. I think if Holland ends up with one of those guys, and hey, maybe he even trades for another name on top of that, I'd be really happy with the offseason. Today on the Jason Greger Show, Rashog and Greger kind of going back and forth on Thomas Tatar. And right now, obviously, in the playoffs, not having a lot of success. Rashog saying, you know, is that a guy you really want to bring in? Gregor countering with, well, five-on-five five in his career. He's been a pretty productive goal scorer, plus got that relationship with Ken Holland. Do you have a side? I mean, are you Team Gregor or Team Rashog on this one? I am more Team Rashog. And, like, it's not just getting healthy scratch this year in Montreal. That was part of the reason he was traded out of Vegas as well, is because they weren't playing him in big games. So you look at a guy now in back-to-back stops with back-to-back coaches, gets healthy scratch for big games, and I kind of go... You know, why? Like, what are these coaches consistently not seeing him in him when the games matter the most? But then I totally understand Gregor's side, where it's like, yeah, he scores at 5-on-5, his defensive metrics are good, why wouldn't you bring him in? And where I come out on Thomas Tatar is, I would handle any situation with him 
in a similar way that they handled Tyson Berry this year, where Thomas Tatar is, you know, still not quite 30 years old. He, or no, sorry, he is 30 years old now. But he might be a guy who sits there and goes, you know, if I take a one-year deal, I have a good year, I can maybe get a three-year deal after this, right? So if you go to Tatar two weeks after free agency opens and go, hey, we potentially have a spot next to Connor McDavid, it's yours if you want it for $2 bucks. then I'd do it. But I'm not giving Thomas Tatar four years, $4 million or anything like that. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the argument, or I guess bargaining chip you have to present with some of these guys like this is an opportunity to play with the best player in the world take it and you know if you're looking to capitalize on that next paycheck then you know it could be a route to doing so now you also mentioned the goaltending between the pipes uh, mike smith an unrestricted free agent right now uh obviously you've got Koskinen and stay but what do you think the goalers goaltending situation looks like next year now you talked about ken holland connections uh one ufa on the market that does have that connection as well is uh is Peter Morazic, who it sounds like he's not going to be going back to Carolina. They like what they have with Nedeljkovic. Um, Morazic's interesting to me. Like, the dream fit would probably be someone like Philip Grubauer, but I cannot see Colorado letting him go. Uh, Freddie Anderson in Toronto. I mean, you can talk about the rough playoff performances from Anderson, but he had three straight seasons of 9-16 or better, I believe. So that's a guy who could come in and pair nicely with Mike Smith, although he might be a had more expensive than the others um and he ranta's on there but i would rank him pretty low when i'm looking at guys like anderson and Morazic. and then there's the option to go to the trade market and there's a couple of guys i love on the trade market that i think will be available as well one of them is darcy kemper out in arizona watched him at the world's an absolute beast four and a half million bucks 31 years old he might not cost you that much because arizona's looking to get rid of some bodies and they have aiden hill between the pipes already so I like the idea of going after Kemper. I like the idea of going after uh, Elvis Merzlikens as well out in Columbus, but he probably costs you a lot considering he's only 27 years old and already looks like he's going to be a bonafide number one. And the sort of wild card name I, I'm just tossing out there, I, I'm not sure if he 100% gets moved or not, or he might even get scooped up in the expansion draft, but it's Ben Bishop out in Dallas, and he hasn't played a lot. He didn't really play this year because he was battling injuries. He is 34 years old. The injuries are a concern. But Dallas has Jake Ottinger and Anton Hudobin signed for next season. If they're looking to just dump money and get rid of Bishop, that's a guy who's a Vesna-caliber goalie when he's healthy and on his game. If he's not going to cost you a lot, I'd be very interested in what, what a Ben Bishop trade would look like and how he would look here in Edmonton. Holland has a bit of a history when he has his contenders of going out and getting veteran puck stoppers. Ben Bishop. That's just interesting to me. I have no reason to be throwing his name out there, but the scenario leads me to believe he could be moved. Yeah, and I think a lot of fans would uh, be happy if that move were to be made, depending on the cost, of course. But that's yeah. a good name to throw out there, Tyler. Uh, just a couple more for you. And I mean, you know, we both were at TSN 1260. The, the 101260 inbox can be kind of a mess sometimes. But today on our show, I noticed at least some people throwing out the name Dougie Hamilton, Seth Jones. I wouldn't say I'm too optimistic that that or either of those names, you know, would make their way to the Oilers organization. But when you hear those two names, uh, do you think it could happen? Uh, no, I don't <laughs> think so. And I can understand why people are making that connection. But we just talked about how the Oilers' right side could be Bear, Larson, and Bouchard, and they're going to let Tyson Berry walk. And I just we listed off: they need a goalie, they need one to two left wingers on top of Ryan Nugent Hopkins. They need a left-handed defenseman to potentially replace Oscar Kleffbaum. 
there's a long list of things that Ken Holland needs to spend his money on, and I'm just not sure if he's going to look at an $8 million defenseman in Dougie Hamilton and go, yeah, that's the guy that I need to spend sort of my cap space on. And I'm not sure if he's going to look at Seth Jones and go, that's worth giving up my first-round pick and a prospect and signing this guy to a long-term deal. Like, I, I just I think there's other areas that are more of a priority, and I view a Hamilton or a Jones as a bit more of a luxury item, something you get when your forward group is perfect and super deep and you have a bona fide starting goalie and you go, all right, how can I put my championship caliber roster over the edge and become a Stanley Cup favorite? And the Oilers right now, I think they're in the building stage where they're trying to get their roster to the Stanley Cup contender point. They're not at the point where they're going and buying these sort of luxury items, as I call them, like Hamilton and Jones kind of are. And Tyler, final question for you. As we tape this on Monday, June 14th, it was 15 years ago, Fernando Pisani scoring the shorthanded goal in Carolina, Steve Stales in the box. Do you remember that? Not really. Like, I've watched it so many times now <laughs> that, like, I feel like I remember it. Um, I remember being at game six, but I don't quite remember Pisani scoring the goal. I don't remember, like, where I was watching it live because I was, like, eight years old. <laughs> I had to check in. Like, so for you, you were eight years old. When I was eight years old, we had, uh, I think, Todd Marchant was, like, the, the big goal yeah. uh, in Dallas, obviously, against Andy Moog. But uh, just had to check in on this anniversary. I know for a lot, a lot of Oilers fans, they might not remember it for different reasons. I think there was a lot of celebrating after the fact. But uh, just had to check in and see. Tyler, thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it. Anytime, Connor. Great stuff from Tyler Uramchuk of TSN 1260 and Oilers Nation. Always appreciate him hopping on the podcast here. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Tyler Uramchuk. And honestly, I think he crushed that Devin Shore take. He's got away with words and what he said there. I think he's 100% right. Worst case, you send Devin Shore down to the Bakersfield Condors, and it's really something you don't even worry about. And speaking of the Bakersfield Condors, a very unique season for them, of course, Going back to January, we didn't know if they'd be playing. We find out a season would be happening. The Condors starting off maybe not too well, but holy cow, they picked it up towards the end. End up winning the Pacific Division title, and uh, a lot of fun doing so. Right now, we'll bring in the voice of the Bakersfield Condors. You can give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Condors Holty. Ryan Holt joins us now. Ryan, thanks so much for doing this today. How are you doing? I'm great, Connor. How are you? Uh, I'm doing very good. Thank you. And uh, for the Bakersfield Condors, I got to think this has to be a year you won't forget. Obviously, the uncertainty surrounding it, then you're playing games without fans, and then the team just goes on a heck of a run winning games like this going out of style. They're Pacific Division champions, defeating the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, I mean, just going back to the start of this season, we had you on when it all came to be. I mean, just a wild ride, I've got to assume. Yeah, it was uh, certainly a wild ride. It was uh, something in January we didn't know if we were even going to play a season. And then uh, kind of we went from zero to 100 uh, fairly quickly overnight. And all of a sudden we're playing hockey games in February. And uh, we welcomed fans back uh, towards the end of March and uh, ended it up with a Pacific Division championship, which was basically the only thing we could play for this year just because of travel restrictions. So um, really fun year, really great group of guys. Uh, we we kind of figured that this team was going to be a good team uh, when it was kind of being constructed and put on paper back in the summer. And it took a while to get the team to come to fruition, uh, just in terms of playing games. And 
uh, once we finally hit our stride, uh, it was a fun team to watch and uh, great to cap it. As you mentioned, uh, in Vegas, we played in front of you know 7,500 fans, which was you know easily our largest crowd of the year just because of the restrictions. So, uh, really fun, fun way to cap it off. And you know, since it is the off season, obviously we're talking about you know the year that was and you know what fans can look forward to with draft and free agency. And I think sometimes people might look a little too far ahead, and you know you forget you've got a farm system where guys are developing. And the last few years, the Bakersfield Condors have been one of the best in the NHL and, you know, finding ways to develop these players properly and have them NHL ready when they get there. Jay Woodcroft and his staff doing an outstanding uh, job this season. Before we get to players that, you know, you can potentially look forward to seeing an Oilers training camp in the fall here, one guy I want to ask you about is a guy who made the jump and looked pretty good this year, Ryan McLeod. Seeing what he did when he got to the Oilers organization, did any of that surprise you? No, it didn't. He uh, he has NHL speed. He's got NHL, um, you know, offensive awareness. Uh, he's very good in his own end as well, too. And uh, he took off with, with Benson and Marodi this year. And, you know, that was fun to see just because, you know, they were three players who, you know, were the most dynamic players for my money in the league. So, um, you know, a really fun line to be a part of uh, for, for Ryan. And then obviously, you know, got his feet wet with, with Edmonton at the end of the year and, you know, kind of talked to him when, when he went up and, and said, I, you know, probably won't see you down here in Bakersfield again. And, and I hope I don't, you know, and that's, uh, I think the, the goal of, uh, of any player down here in Bakersfield is to, you know, when you make the jump, make it on a full time basis. And, um, you know, he's a guy who's obviously going to push, you know, for a full time spot and push for, you know, significant minutes with the Oilers, um, you know, come the fall. And one of the guys I think we got to probably start off with, we have our little 10, 12, 60 inbox. It's, uh, you know, people will text into us at the radio station, ask questions, who we think. And uh, one guy, there's a lot of buzz around is Tyler Benson, a second round pick a couple of years ago. Um, you know, hasn't been the immediate impact, but he, he spent a lot of time in junior injured and, and he's really just kind of progressing nicely. What do you think Oilers fans can expect from him when they see him up with Edmonton? You know, definitely for training camp. And, and do you think he'll be able to push for a roster spot? Yeah, and I'll, I'll say this, you know, and, and, you know, for my money, Tyler Benson has done everything and more that's been asked of him here in Bakersfield. And I think that's all you can ask of, of him is to perform the way he should perform at this American Hockey League level. Um, this year, uh, he killed a lot of penalties as well, too. The team had the top penalty kill in the league. Uh, it was a team that, you know, was built from the back end out just in terms of the defensive structure. But, you know, when offense was there, you know, Tyler was top five in the league in scoring as well, too. And, um, you know, one of the top assist guys in the league. And these are numbers that you'd expect Tyler Benson to put up at the AHL level. And um, he's part of the, the most dynamic line in the league. Uh, he's a great person, a great character guy, um, a guy who is going to push for a spot. And, you know, listen, it's a it's a big offseason for him. You know, he's in kind of in a, a bubble here with – with a couple of other, you know, restricted free agents in terms of, you know, what their next step is moving forward. And that obviously adds in a different dynamic and you can't just send them to Bakersfield and you can't just, you know, get them through waivers without, uh, without having to be exempt. So um, we'll see what happens, but you know, for my money, he's done everything and more that's been asked of him here in Bakersfield. And I think it's great for the organization to have a second round pick, you know, pan out the way he has just in terms of, you know, what he's done at the AHL level and to be able to push for spots at the NHL level. Now, one of the questions a lot of people have about him is his skating level. And, uh, you know, if, if that's NHL quality and, you know, if not, is there ways that he can, you know, obviously work on that in the off season? From what you've seen, and, and you've seen guys obviously like Ryan McLeod make that jump to the NHL where he fits right in. Is there any concern about Tyler Benson's skating ability? 
Well, here's my thing with, with his skating ability, and you talk about skating ability and things like that. He played on a line with Ryan McLeod, and for my money, Ryan McLeod was the fastest, if not you know, top three fastest players I've seen at this level when, when he gets up to full speed. So, um, And Benson's not out of place on that line, and in times Benson is the one driving the line. Now, yes, you know, McLeod might be the one with the zone entry. McLeod might be the one you know, pushing the pace through the neutral zone, but at the end of the day, he needs a playmaker as well, too. And Benson was a playmaker. And Benson had the scoring ability as well, too, when, when called upon. So, um, you know, for Tyler, I, you know, in terms of skating and, and how that factors into the NHL level, I, I think you can be uh, a decent skater with elite playmaking ability and be able to kill penalties and, and, you know, have a long NHL career. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Tyler. But, uh, you know, he's been everything and more for the Condors and, uh, I think wearing the A on his sweater this year was huge for him. Gave him a little bit of leadership, gave him a little confidence, and um, you know, really looking forward to seeing what he does in the future. Yeah, and I mean, the, the people will ask the question about the speed. Uh, at times, I kind of roll my eyes, like you know, you don't play the level that he does and think the game he does. You know, you, you have those those attributes, you're going to be okay and find a way to make it work. And that's a great point. Playing with Ryan McLeod, you you got to have a decent amount of speed to do that. Um, the other guy on that line, Cooper Marodi, uh, a guy who a lot of Oilers fans have been paying attention to. They saw him a couple of years ago get into six games, but another guy who's just gotten better every year. And I feel like some people kind of forget about him and think that he's a little bit older, but he's 24 years old. I mean, he's still a very young prospect. Yeah, he's a little bit older than, than say, a Tyler Benson or, or Ryan McLeod, obviously. Uh, a little more, you know, advanced just in terms of his age, but still young, as you mentioned, and then still in his third year out of college, basically, and he left uh, a year early out of college. So, uh, for Cooper, this year was huge for him just in terms of the fact that he was not healthy last year. You know, he was battling a couple injuries last year. He was never healthy. And, you know, he wasn't himself. So for him to come in this year fully healthy and to have the year that he did, you know, he led the league in goals with 21. You know, he was part of that line as well, too. And um, just the confidence you saw from him, you know, personally, I think is huge. Now, again, he's kind of lumped in with the with the Tyler Benson deal in terms of, you know, contract status and this being a big summer. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But at the end of the day, you know, Marody and Benson, when they've been healthy, when they've been in the American Hockey League, they've been two of, if not the two best players in this league. So, um, you know, I I know there's a, well, what can they do at the NHL level? What can they do at the next level? And that's why they're here at the AHL level. But at the end of the day, they're producing and they're doing everything you'd want two guys to do at this level, um, representing this team and representing the organization. One guy I've got to ask about, Raphael Lavoie, and I know you only saw him for uh, like 19 games in the regular season. He came over from Sweden, uh, another guy, very young, good size. What did you make of his game? Yeah, I'm really excited about Raph. He, he has a long, uh, I won't say a long way, but I'll just say, you know, he's got a, a lot of things to be able to, you know, grow his game, and, and he already is starting with a pretty good foundation, which I think is awesome. Um, you know, for his ceiling. I think his ceiling is going to be extremely high. I think once he ratchets it up, the competitive nature ratchets it up, um, you know, kind of that intensity. Um, I think he got a, a huge taste of that down the stretch. I think he played over 20 games with us. Uh, he played almost 60, I think, over in Sweden. So, I mean, he's a guy who played almost 80 games this year, which I think is huge for a guy like that, you know, to be able to come in as a 19-year-old and, um, you know, really develop the way he did. Um, you know, this year in his, you know, 20 year old year, if you will. Um, so for him, you know, his shots only, 
Uh, he shoots the puck from everywhere, which is great, but it's about refining things. And, um, you know, he's playing with a guy, you know, an Adam Cracknell here in Bakersfield who's obviously an NHL veteran, uh, a guy who's been around the AHL forever. Um, he's back next year as well, too. I think a guy like Cracknell is going to be huge for, for Raph moving forward because, you know, Raph, I think, has, has more raw tools, I think, in the, in the belt here. Um, and for a guy like Cracknell to be able to play with him and to be able to mentor him, I think it's going to be huge for the organization. Um, you know, Raph's got a bright future ahead of him, and I think this year, you know, albeit a little chaotic with all the travel and all the games he had to play, I think it's going to serve him big time down the stretch. Now, Ryan, a big conversation up in Edmonton is uh, goaltending and, and who's the future of that position. Stuart Skinner, obviously, has shown throughout his career, whether it's in the AHL or the WHL, I mean, he can be the goaltender that performs in the playoffs. He's got lots of experience there. How important was it for him just to get more of that big game experience? Yeah, it's big for him. And, and I've said this, uh, I think, before, is goaltending always kind of frustrates me just in the sense of you only get one goaltender on a given night, you know, at all levels, you know, whether it's AHL, ECHL, NHL, there can only be one guy between the pipes. So if you know, you're not that guy. Are you developing? Are you not developing? What's going on? So um, I think for Stu, it was big for him this year to be an elite AHL goaltender, which he turned into. Um, he was a guy who, you know, we could depend upon, you know, as an organization, night in, night out, and know what you were going to get. Um, and I think for a, a guy who was in his third year, again, kind of in that lump you know, contract deal with the Benson, Marodi type players, it's a big year for him. You know, now decisions have to be made this offseason. And he made those decisions difficult for, you know, the rest of the organization, which I think is great. Uh, he was a tremendous asset for this team. Um, him and Olivia Rodrigue, who I think, too, is going to be unheralded just because you kind of forget about him just as the backup, I guess, if you will. But he got into 12, 13 games here in Bakersfield, some high-pressure minutes as well, too, in the postseason. I think that's going to benefit him down the, down moving forward as well, too. So you have a second-rounder and a third-rounder you know, here in Bakersfield that you know are, are prime candidates moving forward. I know there's other you know, goaltenders in the system as well, too. But um, I think that's great to see over the last two, three years to be able to develop guys like that. One more for you, and uh, I asked you before we got on here, any wild cards that could potentially surprise people once the Oilers get to camp? You mentioned Marcus Nimalainen, and he was a third-round selection back in 2016. Uh, the guy's got size, six foot six, 190 pounds. What did you see from him this year? Yeah, I was kind of, you know, I was upset and mad that, you know, Marcus got hurt at the end of the year and kind of missed, uh, you know, I think he probably missed 10 to 15 regular season games and then, you know, kind of missed the postseason, wasn't able to be around the team as well, too, just because of his injuries. So, um, you know, looking forward to seeing him healthy in the fall because you mentioned, you know, one, his size and, and his ability to, you know, defend, but he's also, you know, a, a pretty gifted offensive player. I think there's more to be touched, uh, you know, upon him and, and grown in his game. And, you know, he works with Dave Manson, you know, almost exclusively. At one point, he was our only NHL defenseman uh, on a contract. So uh, when you look at him back there, I think it's, uh, you know, a big feather in the cap of, of the organization to be able to develop a guy like him who kind of came in unheralded and, you know, he was at times the only NHL defenseman, as I mentioned. But he's got a lot to, you know, kind of grow in his game. And I think it's going to be a, a real big season for him, a big off season for him. I think he's got to get a little, 
Uh, you know, he's kind of lanky. He's got to get a little thicker, I think, in the off season. And I think, you know, a full off season of being healthy will do that. And, um, you know, we'll see him in the fall. But, uh, you know, I think he's a, you know, kind of a dark horse, if you will, to, you know, maybe play some NHL games in the future. I'm not sure if it's this year or the year after, but, you know, a guy who at least can push some people um, on the back end to, you know, make some decisions difficult. No, the AHL is ready. You guys already have opening night set October sixteenth. Uh, what do you guys have going on until then? What like what kind of things will be happening? Is it kind of just paying attention to see who the Oilers might bring in? Is there is there other sort of work with the roster? What what goes on in the AHL off season? Yeah, I mean, you know, my job turns into front office at this point. Um, you know, we. You know, we're fortunate that uh, we we started in February and we're able to. You know, we had a large staff. Uh, you know, for the American Hockey League before the the pandemic, and and obviously during the pandemic, we we kind of lost some folks just in terms of uh, layoffs and things like that, and that was unfortunate. So uh, we've been fortunate to be able to hire some some folks back the last couple of weeks, and um, you know, moving forward with with opening night and planning for that and planning for. You know, kind of a normal season, if you will. Um, you know, so we got to get some bodies back up top uh, in terms of the front office and get us back to you know somewhat of full strength and, and all systems go. And then, uh, yeah, it's full steam ahead. You know, we we don't really have an off season. We just like to call it a, a season where we don't play games. And uh, last uh, off season was a little too long for us. So um, you know, we're chomping at the bit to get back after it. So yeah, October sixteenth, we'll have a. An equipment sale for fans here coming up in uh, July, I think, uh, for for some fans to get some uh, get some merchandise and you know some game worn stuff, and um, and then obviously we'll we'll get set on the ticket side of things to kind of rebuild uh, rebuild what we had before uh, before COVID hit. So um, you know our fans were great this year. You know those that were able to come out and those that watched and listened and and you know interacted online, and you know we're expecting uh, big things moving into the. Uh, moving into the fall and moving into next season. That locker room sale is tempting. i got to get my hands on one of those navy blue jerseys. I know we talked <laughs> about it before. Some, we've got some game-worn stuff. We've got sticks. Yeah, we've got some pretty good stuff. We're, we're pretty spoiled down here. Oh, that is awesome. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for doing this. Appreciate it as always. And uh, we'll have to get you on again once again down the road here, maybe once the season starts down in Bakersfield. Absolutely, Colin. I appreciate it anytime. Great stuff from the voice of the Bakersfield Condors, Ryan Holt. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Condors Holty. And uh, as we discussed there, it's pretty crazy. October 16th, their next season will get going. Uh, what the roster will look like, we'll find out. Will Tyler Benson be there? Who knows? Maybe Devin Shore. We'll have to see what happens, obviously. It's going to be a very interesting summer for Ken Holland and the Edmonton Oilers organization. But we'll have you covered here on the Other Connor podcast throughout the whole thing. Draft coverage, free agency coverage, preseason coverage, camp coverage, all those things will be covered throughout the summer here on the Other Connor Podcast. And that's going to do it for another episode. Big thank you to our guest today, Tyler Yaremchuk of TSN 1260 and Oilers Nation. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter, at Tyler Yaremchuk. And of course, the man you just heard from the voice of the Bakersfield Condors, Ryan Holt. Always appreciate him hopping on the podcast and letting us know what's going on down on the farm. We will be back on Thursday with more Oilers offseason coverage. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. And uh, just a little teaser here for you. On the Hockey Podcast Network, we are documenting some of the greatest dynasties in NHL history. And uh, coming up in the next few weeks here, we will be dropping an Edmonton Oilers edition. Of course, the team of the 80s. It's going to be filled with uh, former NHL players who grew up watching the Oilers, uh, people who covered the team, 
back in the 80s, as well as a player who actually played on that team and uh, won five Stanley Cups with the Edmonton Oilers. So just keep your eye out on social media, the Hockey Podcast Network. They're doing great work, and uh, the Edmonton Oilers Dynasty Edition will be coming out in the next few weeks. I'll be hosting that with a lot of help from some really great guests. Thank you guys so much once again for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Shout out to DraftKings if you are signing up. Use promo code THPN at sign up. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.